Hey, everybody. Big news this week. The Wall Street Journal is reporting, Molly, that Meta, the Facebook corporation, is going to be laying off thousands, many thousands of people yeah. this week. My Lord, it's uh, getting intense out here in Silicon Valley. It's real. I mean, we had said last week that if Google and Facebook, if Meta and Alphabet started doing this, it was real. So it is real. We have a storm. ton of charts, though, to show the the evolution of Meta over the past few years. We're going to go real deep on Meta's evolution, hiring, stock market drop, and Jason's stock plan. Stock buybacks. Stock buybacks. And then there may or may not be a shocking J-Trade. Shock, shocking J-Trade. Uh, and then, pursuant to our discussion last week about Brian Chesky making all the right moves and throwing off billions in free cash flow, he's at the top of his game on a product basis as well. Big product news coming out of Airbnb. Yeah, crushing it. And speaking of somebody we are rooting hard for to crush it, mm. <laughs> apparently we are. Former Peloton CEO John Foley is back and Jason is shopping for a new rug mm. at his new startup, D2C startup called Ernesta. We're going to break that uh, down too. It's going to be I'm, a great show. It's going to be a great show. Stick with it. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Notion is one place for notes, docs, projects, and everyday work that goes way beyond a wiki. Get started for free at Notion.com slash twist and LinkedIn marketing. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to LinkedIn.com slash this week in startups. Hey, it's Monday, Molly. How are you? It's Monday. I had, Monday. A, nice, had a nice restful weekend with family. I didn't look at any social media. It was amazing. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Ran a little 5K, training for the turkey trot. Yeah. How about oh, you did a 5K? I did. Well, I mean, <laughs> slowly. So that's 3.1 miles. I'm going to guess your time. Uh, three miles times maybe just a nice jog, 11 minutes, 34 minutes. We don't have to talk about my time. The, okay. I live in one of those neighborhoods where you either go straight up or straight down. Oh, oh, that's different. Yeah. So you so have to do I a walking. And run down. <laughs> and yeah. I hike oh. it back up. So it's fine. That's I'm fine. Worried, that's but you know what? That means that when I finally get to the turkey trot, my time's going to be amazing because all I ever do is walk uphill. Quickly. Is the turkey trot 5K or 10K? It's a 5K. My mom sent me all my marathon pictures this weekend. That was quite nice of her because the marathon was, it was a great. New York marathon. Yeah, and I started getting motivated because, you know, I've, I've actually, um, the weight loss kicked in again a little bit. So I've been uh, getting a little fit and I actually was on the treadmill and I just started running. And I was it like, well, so what's good. going on here? My uphill walking turned into running. So it is possible that you could. Oh, yeah. I mean, it builds strength possible. and then you run down and then you, you know, whatever. I mean, it just, listen, it feels great. It just feels, it's like. Sometimes you need a little extra endorphins. Yes. Exercise is critically important. Like, you know, mom being in town or whatever, or whatever's going on. Or whatever's going on in the world. Yes. <laughs> I, I, yes. I, I'm glad you, I, one of us had a restful weekend. Yeah. I highly, I highly recommend it. Uh, okay. So yeah. I, I, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Uh, I, I'm not going to be the CEO of Twitter at the end. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to talk about uh, any of the details of Twitter. You know, there's plenty of, places on Twitter, you can you can read about that. So it's kind of odd to that to be the top tech story we're not talking about here. But obviously, my friend bought the company. And uh, yeah, I was an advisor to it. Uh, but people are making a lot out of it that they probably shouldn't. Uh, it's my involvement has been greatly exaggerated. Of course, if then if I say my uh, involvement has been greatly exaggerated, people are like, well, you're flexing. That already I mean, became there's, a there's no winning. There's, there's no, no winning in a situation. There's no winning. I will Literally say, I find it both difficult and a giant relief to not talk <laughs> about it. Like, it's sort of both of those things at once. It's like, you know what? At least yeah. whatever happens as the storyline plays out, like, I didn't yeah. have to say a word. I wanted to, Just, I, but I, I also recognize. didn't want to. So, yeah. like, you know what? <laughs> I recognize it put you in an odd spot. I appreciate you uh, having my back to the, you know, extent yeah. you can here on the pod. But, you know, listen, if you want to hear a bunch of people randomly talking about it without a lot of actual information. There's plenty of podcasts where you can do you, that. You have, you have Twitter for that, right? Or every other plenty podcast. Of play, or Twitter or exactly. any number of places you can you can get involved in rampant speculation, which I would say is at about 14% accuracy right now. But yeah. let's get into the number one story that's happening. Let's do it. The other one, the other one. Let's well, do let's it. See. Well, I mean, this is the big trend. I think this is we, actually, we've been talking this about this for a while. Exactly. Serious stuff. It's a, yeah. it's a meta story, and I didn't mean that as a pun. Yeah. I really didn't. But yeah. according to the Wall Street Journal, Meta, the company, mm -hmm. 
is yes. planning, quote, large scale layoffs this week that could impact thousands of employees. Mm-hmm. As of September 30th, Meta had over 87,000 employees, which was up 28% year over year over Q3 2021. So massive hiring boom has happened at Meta on All In Friday. You and the gang talked about large scale layoffs looming at big tech companies. And we said on this show last week that once we saw big layoffs start to happen at Alphabet or Meta, Google or Facebook, that that would mean we'd really hit an inflection point. And it seems like we're there. So uh, these Meta layoffs, uh, like we said, are expected Wednesday. I think they are expected to be Mm -hmm. huge, like way, way more than Twitter or any of the other big layoffs that we heard about last week when obviously there were the Twitter layoffs, Open Door, Stripe cut 1,000 employees, Lyft cut 700 employees. Like it's it's getting to the point where I don't think we can safely say there's going to be a soft landing for everybody who gets laid off from tech, clearly. Because also they're not all engineers, right? It's sales and marketing people and brand people. And it's, I think this is the, this is the official sign that we are headed into some legit tough times in the industry. Well, I don't even know if it's a broad-based U.S. recession, but it's a tech recession. Yeah, I mean, in tech, this is uh, a crash, let's be honest. This yeah. is crash-like behavior. It's beyond yeah. a recession. Recession, negative growth for two quarters. We kind of had that. Then we had, as we talked about, the positive GDP growth. But in tech, with these, you know, 60 70 80%, 90% stock prices off from their peak, mm-hmm. and with these significant cuts... We're going to be looking at, I think, what will feel like a recession for tech. And this is really the result of the free money that was available and tech hiring being leadership was thinking we're going to hire for two years out Mm -hmm. or at least a year. And I think there's a lack of discipline around making money and profits, free cash flow, uh, employee stock options, comp, you know, people are typically giving 4% of the company stock away every year. And when the market is going up and the stock price goes up, nobody questions any of these things. But now on the table at every company is, should we be diluting the shareholders? Forget about the employees and the management, because that was the focus for the last 10 years. Yeah. Now people are saying the shareholders. Now, why, Molly, would people be focusing on the shareholders? Well, because the shareholders are selling their shares and they don't want to buy them. Exactly. Like so the, the free you, money is over on every level, as is. Yes. And, and, Not every easy narrative is true, but one of the easy narratives about tech that keeps coming around and being kind of true is growth over revenue. Like we just keep seeing that in every tech boom, which is like, oh, we'll just have hyperscale and then we'll make money eventually. But eventually always comes around and sometimes it comes sooner than you expect and you haven't made the money yet. I think as Bill Gurley said, like, uh, you know, the the boom is like going up an escalator and when it when it goes bust, it's like going down an elevator. You know, mm-hmm. like we, we slowly consistently go up and then boom, right down the elevator fast to the bottom floor. Management is starting to realize we gave a, we're, we're diluting the shareholders too much. We're spending too much money. People are getting paid too much money. The entitlement is too high. The benefits are too high. And I'm not talking about health benefits here. I'm talking about like, you know, kind bars, massages, those, those TikTok videos, like here's a day in the life of a Google employee in New York. And then they're like, I, you know, I went to get a massage. I went to get a facial. I did this. I don't know. Which all that stuff we should is, say, because yeah. I don't want to disrespect these employees who got all those benefits oh, no. and act like they're, but because that is what companies did because yes. hiring was so competitive. Hundreds they made that choice, yes. right? It wasn't about like spoiling Absolutely. these big divas. It was just about like, how can we get you here? Because yes. it was an insanely, everybody was over hiring. Thank you for uh, correcting me or making sure that my point was clear. A hundred percent. That was the choice of management yep. to create an entitlement culture from the boardroom where people had no accountability and were getting tons of stock options all the way down to the rank and file management and boards made these decisions employees were along for the ride yeah and they also had no discipline in hiring people they just said well let's just you know if, if it's gonna if we have to raise every salary 20 percent, and we got to do this to be competitive with each other they created a, an unsustainable bid for high tech employees. I mean, the opening salaries in some companies 250k 150k, like for positions that if we were talking about it five or 10 years ago would have been much lower. Yeah. So when all that discipline went out, and we saw it in the startup market, were like pretty standard million dollar packages, standard, it was getting out of control, you know, out of control, out of control. And now um, what people are realizing is, now that the top line's not going up, 
then the uh, hedge funds or you know the the uh, retirement funds, people who mutual funds who want to own stocks that grow are saying, you know what, these stocks are not going to grow. They don't have discipline. They're not throwing off dividends. They're not throwing off profits. They're not buying back the shares. There are other options for us. So we went from the number one option, the safe option, buy tech to yeah, safe option, I'm going to buy some energy, I'm going to buy some dividend stocks, I'm going to buy, you know, whatever it is. And so now the tech industry is going to have to prove it to Wall Street, that their stocks are worth buying. If you're a startup, you need to sign up for Notion. Notion is my favorite product of the last year. Why do I love Notion? Well, I had to make a new system to track all the companies we meet with here at Launch. Launch is my investment company. We meet 60 to 70 new companies per week. We put them into a database. I looked at all the SaaS software out there. There were people who wanted to charge me, I kid you not, 50, 100, $250,000 a year. So I said, you know what? I'll just make my own software. I'll hire a developer. Okay, <laughs> what's the number? 150, 250 a year. Even if I went outsourced and I used another country and it would take me a year to make the product that I want. But we were using Notion and Notion has databases and they have these beautiful documents and they have tables and all the things I needed. So we made the database of all the companies we meet with. And what we found was we could, with a no-code solution like Notion, and using some other software that connects it by API to the other programs we use, we could make Chef's Kiss, the perfect customized system for ourselves. And we did it. Within six weeks, I had the system up and running. And in the six weeks after that, we perfected it. I think this product's taking over the world, I'll be totally honest. And I, I, I'm like reading an ad for it right now, but consider this a testimonial. Not all work collaboration tools are created equal. Some, they're going to help you organize your company's information. Other, well, maybe they'll help you manage some projects. Notion does both. It's one tool for your whole team, and it's so beautifully designed. Everyone will want to use it. Stop having 50 tabs open in your browser. Just sign up for Notion today. Learn more and get started for free right now at Notion.com. They have the .com. And so when I saw this happen, Molly, I said to myself, I, we had a con you and I on this podcast had a conversation. I don't know if you remember this one, but I said, would not the logical thing for Meta to do in a situation where nobody believes you, cut some staff, buy back your stock, cut the R&D spending a bit, and then watch the stock go back up because you're buying it on the cheap. And I had owned Facebook shares from, I was an LP in a fund that had one of their companies get acquired by Facebook. I sat on a nice chunk of that Facebook shares. I wrote it from 70, 60 or 70 bucks when I got the distribution from this venture fund all the way to 115 and I sold it. Reason I sold it, Molly, was because I just didn't like Zuck and his impact. Mm -hmm. Then I became a J trader, and I said I want to learn about public equity investment. You came on that journey with me yep. and watched me lose fifteen percent of my money <laughs> in three months. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> which saying, I was I fine with. I tried to warn I you about Stitch Fix. Like other than that, I was on board. <laughs> well, I, I am trying to. It's the biggest loser in the portfolio. Thank you. Yeah. Go to jtrading.com to see just the the bloodbath, which is my just first quarter always of Always ask me where my friends work before yeah. you make your jtrade. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. What I've learned is that making trades with your heart as a public market investor is a bad idea. Got to be a little bit ruthless. So I was out on the weekend. Oh, God. And I see this news break in our group chat, right? Nick yeah. says, hey, look. I immediately open up. Robin Hood, and I put in a trade. J trade alert. <laughs> and I bought Meta. I cannot now, believe this. I, it's, I, I was just like. What is happening? You're just fully, this is your transition to supervillain? Just. Basically. I oh bought this. my God. I bought, you bought 500 like a shares. Lot of it. I, well, this is my standard slug. I'm buying 50K slugs typically, because I'm trying to build like a million, $2 million portfolio of active trading over the next 10 years with the stated goal of, you know, just beating venture capital returns. I just want to mm -hmm. see if my VC returns from this period versus my, I'm taking like a 10 year challenge to myself. Can my public market buys either match or compete with my venture buys? Now, venture funds I've been involved in are currently marked at whatever, four or five, six X, uh, you know, depending on where you trust the marks. Um, and so I've been elite in that regard. I'm not counting scouts where I, where I did phenomenal and it was off the charts. But just looking at this, I'm saying this founder is going to take the medicine. I believe Zuck has so much pride and wants to win so badly that this, this moment in time, going from $360 a share to $90 a share, looking like a fool, having everybody in the world criticize you, everybody in the world give up on you, I think that is going to make Zuck 
not break suck. And I think the first piece of medicine is doing what he's never had to do, mm -hmm. which is to say I was wrong. I was wrong. You know who said I was wrong? Jack said he was wrong for hiring so many people at Twitter this weekend. I don't know if you saw that tweet storm. Yeah. Uh, he said, it's my fault. I doubled the number of employees, whatever. I, I shouldn't have done that. Brian Chesky made that huge riff. Now he's throwing a free cash flow. Uh, Dara at Uber made that giant one. So at some point, mature leaders say I was wrong, and they make the cuts. And you know, you look at Lyft, Stripe, Open Door, these cuts are happening. I think this is like, is this Lyft's third riff? I think it's so. their second. Yeah. It's definitely their second, but I think yeah. it might be their third. I do. I want to go back for a second and say okay, that yeah, stop, on your Robin Hood screenshot of the thing where you just joined the evil empire and bought mm -hmm. a bunch of Facebook, it said time in yes. force. Good for day. You were on the right side of the force for one day. <laughs> he starts doing these riffs. <laughs> I'm kind of going Ashoka. I'm going to go. I mean, this, <laughs> Good is a for deep, day. this is a deep pull for Star Wars fans, but I'm going Ashoka <laughs> now. I'm not part of the Jedi. Hmm. I'm not part of the dark side. I'm like a Ronin. My like perhaps my favorite character in Star Wars right now. Shoka. That's an excellent. That is an excellent um, pull for sure. Yeah. I will believe everything you have said as soon as I hear Zuck say. As soon as one, I hear where these riffs are, because uh -huh. I guarantee. Because if they are not accompanied with a reduction in metaverse spending, mm. there's no universe in which you will convince convince me that what he's saying here is I was mm. wrong. That's like the that so far is the unproven part of your thesis. Right. So uh, there's this, my thing was a four part plan. Yeah. A significant riff, which this yeah. one seems to be. We'll talk about how significant and what significant means here. Reduce the metaverse event uh, expense, juice the profits, which happens from those first two things. And mm -hmm. there's other ways to juice profits. And then use extra money to buy back stock. Essentially, one and three are done. The significant riff is going to juice profits. Now, we don't know if two and four have been done yet. But if I can get two, three, uh, two or three of these, I'm going to double my money in the next three years is my point. Mm -hmm. If I get four of these... This is going to be a 10 bagger. I think yeah. he, yeah, or maybe a five, ba a five bagger. It'll be a five bagger if he does all four. I, I could see. And he, but he's also stock comp. I should add a fifth one here is a uh, reasonable stock comp. So keep stock compensation at 1% instead of four or whatever they were burning through. Mm -hmm. So that, right. you know. Should and, we do the charts? I'm, I interrupted you before we got to. No, no, no. It's really fun. I want to get the charts feedback. that would actually show how deep this can also yeah, well, set this just up how this model, can please. be accomplished right so yeah. set this up for the listeners so the uh we have some charts nick made some charts about meta's uh sort of situation uh current events and then what we think might be future events if all of the boxes on your checklist there yeah. turn green okay here's meta stock price since its ipo in may 2012 you can see it hit almost 400 dollars a share wow I had forgotten about those times representing a uh, $1 trillion market cap in just like one year ago, late 2021. Mm. Mm. And then now it's trading where you bought it at like 95, 95, yeah. 50. When's the last time it looks like it was at 95? If you go backwards. I mean, maybe 2016. 2016? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're And that's about years. the time that they were on okay. an incline, but also getting hammered by Congress. Remember? Yeah, because that was election interference stuff. There was a lot of testifying. There was like, oh, what's going to happen? And it shot straight up. <laughs> and it just pretty much shot straight up. So no one cares. Like, Nothing. Oh, you can swing an election with Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. No one. <laughs> I mean, no that one, is a cynical look. <laughs> no one cares, and nothing matters. Yay! Now let's layer full-time employees over time on okay. top, and we have this red line. And uh -huh. you can see that that number has only ever grown. There's not even been like a dip. It is now. I at 87,000 wow. employees, up 28% year over year in 2021. It like mm -hmm. doubled in three years. Mm. Amazing. So, yeah, staffing, staffing, staffing. That's a real telling chart. I mean, it, it literally, and this is what boards and management did. They said mm -hmm. the stock price is going up. Let's just keep hiring because talent makes product. Product delights customers, delighted customers equal revenue, revenue equal stock price goes up, stock price goes up, and, and it just you, you get into this flywheel of mm -hmm. you correlate the employee account with the stock price. And you keep it out, you keep employees out of your competitors' hands. Like we shouldn't forget Correct. this sort of ca catch and kill aspect of this. Did you bring yep. this up on the show that like sometimes we talk companies- about it all the time. It's a blocking strategy. Google, it's a blocking, it was Google's right. blocking strategy. Exactly. And they'll hire employees and just sit them there with an insane salary. Package, correct. Just to keep them from the other guy. 
So that was happening probably too. Okay, now we're going to add Meta's quarterly net net income over time represented by a green line. Mm -hmm. You see that peak at over $10 billion per quarter in 2021. Oh my God. Yeah, look at that. Per quarter before... What just a chart this is. Look at that. Plummeting. So just to show people, we have Producer now Nick, have this is beautiful. the total employee account in red, the net income in green, mm-hmm. and the stock price is the black line. We've now layered three charts. Amazing. Yep. And the net income is almost in lockstep with the share price. Of course. You know, up, profits. up, up, massive drop. Right. As profits go down, shareholders sell. Pretty straightforward. But the only line that hasn't gone down is? Employee hiring. Correct. At all. Like hasn't yeah. even hasn't even started to flatten. They are not even flattening wow. that curve. That is just a rocket ship straight to space. Okay. And then finally, mm-hmm. we have a blue line added to our chart, and that represents Meta's average diluted shares outstanding, which sit at 2.7 billion shares roughly mm-hmm. as of last quarter. And they've been giving Tons of share. What's very confusing about this blue number, and we'll do another episode or segment on this. We have to break it down. Mm -hmm. Uh, It'll be another double click. But the amount of shares being given to employees during this period was extraordinary. I believe, you know, like, I I think the average, as I said, is like, you know, three or 4%. So they're giving money. They're giving shares to employees, Molly. And that includes the board uh, in all likelihood. Although I'm not sure about their board because their board is all rich people. I'm not sure how much comp they got. But all the management team are getting massive comp in the form of stock options. The developers yeah. you referenced before, this million-dollar package, they're buying off employees and talent with massive amounts of stock. The shareholders are being diluted every year by those stock grants, right? Mm-hmm. That stock is not free. That comes at the expense of the people who bought their shares in the company that didn't have them gifted as employees, but who bought it. In other words, your retirement, uh, you know, or your endowment or some mutual fund. At the same time, you're diluting those folks, you're buying back shares. So Facebook did buy back shares. Now I don't have the buybacks here. But if we could put the diluted shares outstanding with the align with how many shares they gave away, and how many they bought back, I've overheard people say (laughs) that this feels like a scam, you're giving massive amounts of shares to employees, Mm-hmm. and management buying back the shares which inflates the price those employees are selling into that right okay so you can goose your share price by buying back shares but you're also at the same time just throwing shares out of a, a cannon like at the warriors game where they do the t-shirts poof, like a money yeah. cannon yeah now is that fraud or is it sketchy is it unethical well if the price of the shares are going up nobody cares right but when you see a plummet like this now everybody's going to start questioning that so they did these shares back remember they announced them in 2016 they did in 2017 Mm -hmm. and i don't know how many how much they spent on it but it was a lot it was a lot yeah i mean they started in the single digit billions with Mm -hmm. these buyback programs and by 2021 had announced uh, had increased the buyback program by $50 billion. Mm-hmm. So massive numbers of shares being bought. Side, By the way, side note, I mm-hmm. also eventually want to see this. When we talk more in depth about buybacks, I want to see this chart for Apple. Because same, same. Massive yeah. buyback program. Massive. Now, if management is keeping, you know, the net income, the profits of the business mm-hmm. growing, well, then maybe you'd look at stock buybacks in a different way. And you know, the relationship between stock buybacks and employee management grants, Molly, because you'd be looking at it saying, okay, the employees are getting something. But they're making good decisions in management to keep those employees and to keep our profits high, right? And we're benefiting from it as external shareholders who are buying a vote in this management. So I trust Apple, I trust Tim Cook, I trust the board over there. They're going to give some shares to employees to motivate them. Mm-hmm. They're going to buy back some shares, which is good for all shareholders, but we're not the bag holders as the public buyers. Right. What feels like ha- is happening at Facebook because the price is going down is Zuck is choosing to burn all the money, have no profits, or run the profits down, I should say. There's still some profits, obviously. And the person who is really punished here is the people who bought those shares at $300, mm-hmm. which is why Jim Cramer was like, I don't know if you saw that viral clip of him. <laughs> In tears. They said he was crying. He wasn't crying. He was just 
feeling really frustrated. Yeah. I don't, I, we'll play a clip of it right now. Yeah. Okay. It's you very, guys just saw the clip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to hear anybody talk that sort of fervently about this idea of like, I believed them. I had this trust, but it's mm-hmm. true that it is very unusual. It's very unusual to look at the kind of chart we're looking at and realize that these precipitous drops, right? This mm-hmm. absolute tanking of net income and share price came not as a result of externalities such as COVID, mm. but as a result of internalities such as pivoting the whole company to a totally unproven virtual reality strategy and spending $15 billion on it. And so you could mm. see where if mm. you're Jim Cramer, you end up going, well, okay, the buybacks were one part of this scheme mm. that maybe didn't feel great. And then we're the bag holders, but we're the bag holders because like so far, Tim Cook has not lit any money on fire at Apple. No, Like he's no. doing the same thing, but with shareholder price firmly in mind, like in no universe do we are, do we expect to see Tim Cook be like, you know what? I'm sacrificing all the iPhone margins mm-hmm. on something completely brand new and unproven. It's not happening. There is an underlying thing here uh, that we should talk about as well. The headwinds of Apple making their changes Mm -hmm. to tracking uh, mobile phones and the headwind of TikTok becoming an advertising juggernaut. True. So there were externalities and internalities. That's true. I think I made that word up. Which then gives you even less faith. It gives you even less faith. But the majority one you nailed, it's the the spending. But it just shows you like management is internally screwing up and externally screwing up or getting right. their ass handed to them. Yep. So you're getting your ass handed to them and then you make bad decisions. Yep. And they're not that reacting. That is a really bad situation. It's a bad situation. So it's a good thing you dropped 50 grand on their stock. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, here, well, here's my thinking. <laughs> All right. Okay. And our next know, chart. <laughs> well, yeah, this is the one that's going to be painful. And I, I do want to put a disclaimer here because we do, we are talking about humans and you, you brought that up early. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you. Your empathy is always high. And sometimes I'm thinking with my brain, not my heart. Love mom. Well, no, I'm trying to think, for, I'm trying to also channel my heart, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. namaste, uh, as well as my logical thinking here. These are people, you know, when these layoffs, we look at them, we talk about them in the abstract here on the program. You know, these are people who, you know, uh, sometimes have given years of their life to a company. They have their friends there. They love the company. And then the manager has to lay people off or the CEO told everybody, like, believe in me, believe in the mission. And then they have to say, like, we're saying goodbye to 20% of you, 50% of you, 15% of you, 15% of you, three times. This is so hard and painful for individuals on one hand. And then you must also counterbalance this. So that's, that's, this breaks my heart. I mean, I, I have done these kind of layoffs, Molly, I had people cry. And it, like, to this day, I, I feel tortured by it. Because when I talk to the two or three people who are crying, when I had to lay it, like a lot of people off at Mahalo back in the day, because the search engine algorithm just took away 90% of our revenue overnight. I said, you know, it's gonna be okay, you're so smart, I'm gonna help you get another job, you're gonna get a job instantly, you know, like, and they said, no, it's nothing to do with money, the job. I just love working here so much. Yeah. You know, and you just, you feel that dagger in your heart. Sorry to say that for, uh, to my producers who have to take it on. Man, it is hard. It is really hard to say goodbye to friends and say goodbye to the mission. Now, going back to my head from my heart, mm-hmm. on a logic basis, these are tech workers. They are so desirable on a global basis. I would just be, yes. 98 be out of careful, 100. Because what do you mean when you say tech workers? Feet. Some of them are sales. Some of them are sure. brand. You know, like okay. the assumption that somehow they're all super skilled, high tech workers, because we know that the people who get laid off first mm. are the ones in customer support. It's often sales. It's often marketing. Those yes. are crowded fields. Like I just want to caution. I just want to be mom again. Absolutely. Caution against the idea that this 100%. is like they're all just going to get immediately snapped up by some tech company because they all know how to code. That's not true. Yes. So there is a, a 100% correct. If you're an engineer and you get laid off, you have four offers tomorrow. If you're a sales executive, you get laid off or a marketing executive, you get laid off. It could be quite different. It could be. Well, they kept some of the marketing and salespeople and they didn't keep you. Therefore, you're the bottom half, you're the bottom mm-hmm. third, you were the easy cut. And then you have the scarlet letter situation, if I'm using that term correctly, you know, you're, you've been pinned as maybe the weakest of the herd, it's a completely right. unfair, because it's probably not true. Who knows how the decisions are made. Sometimes it's the first people in sometimes it's the most tenured people because they're the most expensive. 
and you say, oh, these young people who are coming in in year two of their careers are doing, I could have two or three of them do the job for this, you know, overpriced person, or what the management thinks is overpriced. So you do have a lot of that variability. You're 100% correct. It's a very nuanced issue, Molly. It's, it's it a very good point of, of yours. It's just that being it's said, just hard. It's hard. It's hard. However, exactly. When you're looking at charts. Yeah. It just, you know. it, 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 it does require a pause here because we're going to be on people on CNBC, people in the news, New York Times, us here. We're going to talk about these things in relation to, oh, making the stock price go up and, you know, making the, turning these companies around, making them sustainable. There's pain and suffering. However, that pain and suffering is not comparable to the, the true pain and suffering in the world of people living in authoritarian regimes, people who are living in dictatorships, people who are oppressed. There's, so you have to be able to maintain many thoughts in your head at the same time to contextualize this. And so I, anyway, I think it's gonna be pause and just unpack yeah. that. Yeah. So here we go. Okay, before we go to the people chart, if they execute my strategy, here's what I believe will happen. Now this chart, mm -hmm. and you can watch all these youtube.com slash this weekend, or if you watch us on Spotify, or listen on Spotify, you can press a button or you turn your phone sideways or something and it shows the video. But these charts are great. We'll do a series of these charts uh, in a tweet storm on twitter.com slash TWI startups. Black line, stock price, it's going to go up and to the right. Green line, net income, it's going to go up and to the right. Those two things are correlated. If the market sees income profits go up, they're going to make the stock price go up. How is that going to happen? The total number of employees, the red line is going to have to go down, I believe, to 2019 or 2020 levels. That mm -hmm. will be what's taken seriously. Now, that's going to be super painful. We'll get to that in a moment, Molly. And then the d diluted shares uh, that are outstanding, perhaps those could go down a little bit with a buyback. So two things are going up, two things are going down, that equals the stock going 5x, you know, going to three or $400 a share again, it mm -hmm. could do that. Right now it's trading, I think seven, eight, nine x price to earnings ratio, it's 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 been clobbered. And people are betting people were betting last week, this wouldn't happen. But this is the plan. I think it's the plan. Hey, Tom Eschbacher is here with us again. He's a senior sales manager at LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. And we're talking about their amazing report today in startup marketing, as well as how to use LinkedIn to grow your startup. What are some tactical things, not big picture strategy? I'm talking tactics that founders can do today to figure out product market fit. One of the big tactics we see here is amplifying organic posting with paid advertising. You consider a startup that raises a seed round. They post the news on their LinkedIn page and see a bunch of likes, clicks, and follows come in. They follow that then with some updates about product, and they see continued traction with, for instance, HR benefit managers at tech companies that have fewer than 500 employees. That's a signal, and it becomes important to then get a larger sample. And to increase confidence, we've made it super easy to identify which audiences are engaging with your organic content, your LinkedIn company page, your website, and then extend reach into those segments with our best-in-class B2B ad targeting. So for early-stage startups who amplify organic with paid, we see a 13x lift in unique reach. And those are meaningful insights to help inform product and go-to-market strategies. Such a great strategy. Head to LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups and get the report now so you have an edge on your competitors. And as a little pot sweetener, $100 off your first marketing campaign thanks to Tom and the team at LinkedIn. Go get that report and get the hundy. There was an interesting counterpoint from my favorite Twitter account, which is a parody account, oh, Buco, Buco Capital. Buco Capital, our favorite. I love Buco oh, Capital. look, he's got parody. <laughs> Lest uh -huh. anybody think that Artie Buco is alive and tweeting. No, obviously Real, he's alive rather, and tweeting. Real, he didn't, he didn't, yeah, sorry, he is yeah, tweeting. Spoiler alert, he didn't die in The Sopranos. If anybody <laughs> thinks Artie Buco got whacked, <laughs> he's alive and well. He does not participate in social media. <laughs> For obvious reasons. He's busy anyway. cooking. If you're on the line, you're making Man of God, you're, you're making the Vongolet, you can't be tweeting. Come on. This is like my favorite account, and I will... Brain hell if it is <laughs> Just ever so on brand messed that with. Artie Buko would start a hedge fund. It's amazing. Uh, tweeted a, a bit of a counterpoint to this, not a complete counterpoint, but just an interesting mm. like. If you're a Facebook employee, I think that the the first point in this tweet was the one ah. that I think is interesting because it's it's like you see Facebook Meta trying to execute this big turnaround, mm -hmm. and if you are an employee at Facebook right? The blue, the original mm -hmm. product, and you're frustrated with all the metaverse stuff. Mm -hmm. This is probably not going to help. There's going to be a real morale issue. 
And then he also makes a point in his third bullet point that it's going to be rough out there once big tech normalizes big layoffs, which is kind of going on and on and on. It is a great time to be hiring. So to all of our yeah. founders out there, if you are Startups trying to hire, are benefit, yeah. you're going to benefit. But he also makes the point that tech companies are getting their finances buttoned up for 23 guidance. And that actually to what we just talked about, there have been people sort of celebrating these yeah, big layoffs as though, you know, and not I think good. it's really good that we're getting that out of the way that, that, that although companies gave them entitlements, that doesn't mean they were entitled. There's still people losing jobs. And that even though like I, I <laughs> have been known to out and out cheer for Zuck to fail, I don't want that to come at the expense of the people who work there because they don't deserve that. Yeah. And on the, uh, yeah, great tweet. A shout out Artie Buco. Pardon. I heart Artie Buco. I have such a crush on that parody account. <laughs> Pretty good. I can't wait to find out who it is. <laughs> They're like an insider. He's got, he understands the uh, he understands the industry pretty well. On the morale issue, if you make one riff and you're, you know, it it, it tends to go well after about two weeks. In my experience, I've, because I've been involved in this so many times with my own companies and companies I've invested in, because what happens is people see their friends get jobs and become happy. And that, that's a two, three, four week process. They also see them go on vacation for three to six months. If I'm being candid in the tech industry, people tend to get, you know, whatever, two, three, four, five, six months, which is nowhere near what a bus driver or a chef or whatever gets. Like you get a kick in the pants and you get like a week's salary, two weeks salary if you're lucky. So we have this incredible, um, you know, uh, graceful landings for very highly paid people. And they tend to take a nice, you know, respite, and then they and they land on their feet. That's what I've seen traditionally. I, I, now, maybe this recession will be different, but I don't, I suspect everybody starts landing on their feet. And maybe their comp isn't as good as their peak comp, but it's going to be within 80% or something and they survive. Then what happens is the company they're at, everybody goes, wait a second, things are going well. And that's what the Airbnb employees are. Airbnb morale has never been higher. They are throwing off massive cash flow, right? We talked mm -hmm. about this last week in the earnings. Mm -hmm. Just if you're an employee at Airbnb right now, the what is it four or 5000 employees, and not the two or 3000 that got laid off? Remember that super riff? Actually, you remember perfectly well, because I you do. were impacted yeah. by it. Yeah. The people who stayed are stoked, their stock price is surged. Mm -hmm. And the people who left, I'm gonna guess all did pretty well. You, you know, if you want to hire an employee, an Airbnb employee is pretty covered in this town. Absolutely. I mean, I, there's no it's an A list rebounds. thing to have on your resume and so it it ultimately works out and even for the people who left who were vested mm. their stock price went up so yeah. yes i mean i think it being part of this industry and leaving mm. having this happen like you know it just like you said there are a lot of things happening all at the same time a lot of truths yeah. happening simultaneously it is tough to lose your job abruptly in most of these cases Mm. These people are going to be fine, but the short-term pain is real. I mean, if you look at this chart. Is this the of, people one? Yeah, and I hate to be a downer here. Oh, wow, yeah. But if we were just to go back three years to the number of employees Meta had, right? And then we drew, we drew some black lines here on the Alphabet and Meta. Just to give you an idea, in 2019, you know, they had uh, probably 40,000 or so employees there, and they're now at 87. That yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like almost 60% rift to get to where they were in 2019 to get Oof. to where they were in 2020. It'd be similar, like a 50% rift, mm -hmm. then to get to where they were. But in 2021, you know, you're talking about letting go of 27,000 people, a third of your staff. That's insane. Like, I I'm going to put their riff at 10%. Where did all this hiring go? I mean, so 10 and 10% 10 is still 8,700 ish employees. I mean, if they let go of 8,700 employees, yeah. let it sink in how many people that is. Now, in terms of the overall economy, not a lot. In terms of, in terms of the just tech a industry? number of humans, Oof. yeah, just to well, process that, that many people being laid off is going to take months. I mean, holy cow. So what? I, I think maybe this might be a significant number, but a smaller percentage. Yeah. Maybe between, I don't think, it could, I don't think he's going to do 10. I think he's going to do five to seven. I just... I mean, we yeah, we have no idea. To be clear, the Wall Street Journal didn't give a number. It did say that they thought it would be many thousands of people, but okay. that could be five percent. I mean, I think it's four thousand people, which would be five percent. I'm going to put yeah. it at five percent. So it will feel yeah. like a large number of people, and it is. It'll be more people than all the companies combined last week. That you know, mm -hmm. the Open Door, Twitter, all that combined will be less 
than the Meta Rift this week. Well, not at 4,000, but yeah. Well, or close, right. So if it's 5,000, it would be the same, right? Like Meta alone could do roughly the same or similar as every other company. Yeah, maybe 5,000 people would be the same, yeah. So I think there were 5,000 people laid off at those five companies last week, but Open Door, Lyft, Twitter, et cetera. So anyway, uh, for this to have an impact, it's got to be 5%. At least. And for it to have a dramatic impact would be 10. So somewhere between 5 and 10% would be it's in some way hit the bottom line, which is, I think, what his goal is. If it's less than 5%, if it's less than 5,000 employees, this is a token. And I made right. a bad J trade to be a complete free market monster. Yeah. If it's over 5,000 people, I made a killer J trade because he's taking expense seriously. Yeah. And this is where I have a really hard time with public market investing because I'm literally betting the more people he cuts, the better it will be for my J trade. If he cuts, I know. 20,000 people. Welcome to what is so terrible about public market investing, right? Is that good news is always bad news or bad news is always good news. And it's just like, I know, totally. I'm I'm excited about my three month CDs at four and a half percent. Brian (laughs) Chesky is shaping up to being one of the great CEOs of our time, I believe. He's paying attention. He's listening to our, I think he's listening to our show. I think he might be listening I, to me specifically. He even I, said, he, 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 he even talked about stripping the, the beds in one of his tweets. I was like, oh my God, that's me. That's you. All right, go, let's break it down. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's break down so, all the right moves. Exactly. Brian, all the right moves, Chesky. Like he really is, honestly, exactly what we talked about on Friday. So mm-hmm. as a follow-up to earnings, uh, Chesky revealed that Airbnb was working on the, the transparency around pricing mm-hmm. to roll all of the fees in to and to be fair, he had already tweeted that they were working on this, yeah. but he has now rolled it out. Now, when you search on Airbnb, we were talking uh, last week about these hidden fees that people are, are annoyed about. And here's a video that Chesky tweeted early on Monday morning today as we're taping. He said, basically, what you're seeing here is that cleaning fees will become more apparent earlier mm-hmm. on. So when you're searching for accommodations right now... Mm-hmm. You only see nightly rates and no mm-hmm. other fees. And that those fees could be cleaning, it could be tax, it's whatever it is. Now uh, you will have to hit a toggle switch to see the breakdown, the total costs with nightly rates and fees so that you can more accurately search for locations in your price ranges. You basically won't get this price surprise where you look at something and it's, you know, 300 bucks a night, you think. Mm. And then once all the fees are in, you know, and you can see that there might be taxes, there might be cleaning, Yes. You'll just see the total okay, price breakdown. So part which one is great. Of this part story is fees. Is just concisely uh, being transparent about the fees. Brilliant. And he did it exactly how we were talking about, just a toggle switch and what's the default. Yep. And I'm assuming the default is to not have it turned on and then you turn it on, but it's so prominently displayed for people not watching. It literally has a toggle switch at the top as if your settings were open. It's literally at the top and it says display total price bulletproof. It doesn't matter if it's defaulted on or off in my mind, since it's so prominent. Yeah, totally. The, what you would look at, and this is why you listen to this week in startups, Molly, is the detail here is what is the default? In other words, what does it start as on or off? That tells you a lot. Is it defaulted on or off? It looks like it's defaulted off and then you have to turn it on. Okay, fine. Fair enough. That, that's a product decision. Yeah. And now, here's like an even more subtle one. When you turn it on, does it stay on for your next search or not? Mm. These are nuanced product discussions mm-hmm. that really impact revenue and consumer behavior. Is the default on or is the default off? Yeah. And does it remember your setting from the last usage? So just keep that in mind when you're designing a product. And think about how careful... Airbnb and Chesky, you know, and and everybody has always said about Mm. Brian Chesky and Airbnb that fundamentally that although it was a real innovation in terms of business model, Mm -hmm. that it was much like Uber design first. And so that the reason, you know, that that Airbnb has talked about as far back as May of 2021, Airbnb has talked about addressing the concern about the fees and said, Mm -hmm. we're going to work on it. According to the Wall Street Journal, the reason it took so long was because they wanted to design it perfectly. They wanted to make it as seamless yeah. and appealing and useful as possible without creating more off-putting kind of friction. D- distortion. Friction. Thank you. That's yeah, the word. That's the exactly the, the word. Industry. Yes. Yep. Uh, so, you know, this is, I mean, it's interesting, right? Like going from being a journalist to being inside the industry, like all of a sudden you, it's like the matrix, like 
when I was a journalist, I like had this amount of like knowledge of what's going on. And then you're behind the scenes and you start having the real discussions. Okay, mm -hmm. what is the default setting? <laughs> okay, does it remember your default setting? Okay, what's the friction here? Why are we doing it? And in product design, what you see is, you know, a, a product like Uber, this exact same thing happened with tipping. And I had very passionate discussions with Travis about this back in the day. I'm not speaking out of school. We, we both have talked about it publicly during interviews we've done. I'm from Brooklyn. I tip everybody. Mm -hmm. I tip people who don't expect to tip. Remember I told you the story of the time I tried to tip a flight attendant? Yep. Back in the 80s, we called them stewardesses. <laughs> <laughs> so back in like 84, like- We don't have to go back, but yeah. <laughs> I was like a 15-year-old. I thought I was in Goodfellas. And I was like, <laughs> like hey, sweetie, this is for you. <laughs> I gave the flight attendant $3 for a Coca-Cola and she literally took it and dropped it in my lap and said, we, we don't get, we don't we take don't tips. Do You're like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, what do you mean you don't take a tip? <laughs> I tipped the Hertz guy. Artie Buco. Artie Buco. I tipped the Hertz guy <laughs> who brought my car around. He was like, what, why are you tipping me? <laughs> Oh my lord! I mean, so, anyway, I tipped yes. the security guard when I, you know, when but I went to IBM really, for a sales call. That. I do remember that actually with uh, yeah. with Uber and trying to figure out how to integrate tipping in a way that wouldn't feel invasive, like it wouldn't stress you out, but it would let you make it mm -hmm. easier. And then the drivers, you'd know where it was going. Like all of this is, all of these are fundamentally design questions. So then the other thing, mm. other changes. So there's this big design change to make the fees more right. obvious slash invisible. The default uh, is off, I'm reading here, by the way. Invisible in the right way, though. I think it's interesting I, that the default is off, but I guess maybe it's like, then you can really see the breakdown a little bit better. I don't know. Sounds to me like a discussion that occurred, and there was a little bit of a split discussion internally. I would love to know. And they said, let's start by exposing it and let people turn it on. Yeah. So this feels to me like a bunch of respected people had a difference of opinion, and they said, let's start with the test with it off. Yeah. and see how many people turn it on so we get data. Which is not a bad decision, by the way. It's a considered decision. Let's turn it off and let's see if people turn it on. It's a fine yes. decision. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, yeah. it's sort of a Jobsian question, right? Like, do you are you the kind of company who collects the data and does a little bit of an, a real-time A-B test and takes the flack? Or do you just say, this is what you want as a customer. I'm, gonna give, I'm just going to make that call. And they could have gone either way and I don't hate it. Yeah. It's another, per that's another perennial, that's why you listen to this weekend startup. From the inside, I can tell you that's another perennial management decision. Right. Do great products get made by God, kings, and queens mm -hmm. who give the edict? Okay, we're having a difference of opinion here. Congratulations, everybody, on the debate. This was a vibrant debate. As the uh, CEO, I'm going with default off, or mm -hmm. I'm going with default on. And that's where we're going. I appreciate the dissenters, uh, the dissenting opinion, but I'm just going to pick this one. And if I'm wrong, I will own it. Right. So if I'm taking out the headphone jack and our sales plummet, or I don't want buttons all over this, and I don't want, remember the BlackBerry had tons of buttons. You remember like the smartphones had 18 buttons. He's like, let's have one button at the bottom, yeah. Steve Jobs. And they're like, are you crazy? And he's like, well, the buttons could be on the screen. It's the right decision. I mean, does anybody want an iPhone with four buttons on the bottom? No, it's great. You want, you want dynamic buttons. You don't yeah. want to have to remember what the little circle arrow back button means. Like, come on. Have you ever been to that Fifth Avenue store in New York where there are no buttons in the elevator? There are oh, no that, buttons. That freaks in me out. Elevator. I've been to a lot of those. Yeah, with the, with the person asking cool. what floor you're going to, and yeah, I do not like that. Anyway, hmm. okay, and in and addition to and so in addition to this choice, so yes. the toggles off by default, fine. But Chesky also announced that they'll be prioritizing searches by total price. Hmm. So that you're the highest quality homes with the best total prices, whether Ooh. you have that toggle off oh. or on, exactly, will rank oh. higher in search results. So they're oh, prioritizing value. Mm -hmm. And then regardless, and I think this is such a clever mix and match. So you have the toggle off by default, but the algorithm oh. is going to prioritize the best total price, which I think is genius. And he's saying, you know, we started as an affordable alternative to hotels. That's totally true. And affordability is especially important today wants to help hosts who offer the best. So in a way, and I don't, he's not trying to out the hosts here, but it's an incentive. The fact that the fee structure is very, very obvious. Because yes. I think the hosts get to decide the cleaning fee. Yep, they do. Is a very clever threading of the pressure needle here. He just took the buttons out, Molly. He, he took, took the, the buttons, buttons out. out. 
-hmm. He did it. He pulled the jobs. Mm -hmm. Brian, all the right moves. Chesky. That's his new nickname. When you see him, there's Airbnb employees listening. I want you to come up to him. Just give him a little pound on the chest. Give him like, you know, a little fist bump. And I just want you to call him all the right moves. He's doing all the right moves. Yes. He understands his customers. Uh, He understands his shareholders. He understands his team. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask this question, is Airbnb about value or experience? And what Brian is saying, people come to us for value. We know that. We're not pretending we're the Amman Hotel. We know you want to save a little bit of money. We know that matters to you. That's part of your decision-making process. You want bang for your buck, right? And that's what I think of when I, when I rent an Airbnb. I think, okay, I'm going here and I would have to buy four hotel rooms. When I travel, yeah. it's four hotel rooms. The parents, the kids, probably two rooms now with three kids, and the nannies, if I'm with a nanny, or if I'm bringing my parents or whatever. It's typically three, four rooms, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, three, four rooms, four or 500 bucks a night. I'm in for two, three grand a night because there's so much taxes in hotels. And then I think Airbnb, it's typically like 1,500 a night or 1,000 yeah. a night. I get five or six bedrooms. I can, I can invite an extra person and they have a game room for the kids and they got a kitchen. Exactly. And now I can and cook food, which I, we like. So much better when you have a family. You don't have to have a kid in a, a hotel room alone. Like you don't have to be freaked out Down about the hall, all of that. Adjoining yeah. room, it's nonsense. So it is. It's a better value for families, and it, it's just it's. But I, oh, what I really like about this, the more I think about the toggle being off, comparing mm. with the search results prioritizing t- total price, he's preventing the pharmacy benefit manager problem. If What's that? The the middleman that sits in the middle of drug pricing. Oh, got so it. like if. They had just turned this toggle on by default, and all you ever saw was the total price. You wouldn't know the difference between the hosts who are charging an exorbitant cleaning fee and the ones who aren't. That's so the game. That's the game. It's to say, you customer get to see this, and you don't get to be shocked by the fee. But you host, you don't get to just charge a bunch and hide it. And it's they so play games with that well fee too. Done. They play games with the fee too, from what I understand. I'm not like I use Airbnb like maybe twice once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of those hosts play games with that fee. They're like, oh, if you do all these things on the list, which is super annoying. Like, I, I, I didn't come here to clean your house. Mm-hmm. Came here to have a vacation. I don't, you ever have this experience the last day of your Airbnb? And you're like, oh, you know, the last day of my vacation when I'm exhausted and I got to go home and face reality. I, I got to spend two hours making sure like the sheets are off the bed. The, totally. I got the garage door has to be locked with the code. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm launching a rocket with the list of things I've got to do. I just I gave you money so I don't have to do these things. That's what I said last week because I was like, I you stayed at this Airbnb and I had to strip the bed and we had to take the trash out to the outside trash cans, oh, yeah, yeah. do all of this cleaning. And I was like, okay, come on. I just want to be in a hotel. And then I saw this tweet from Brian Chesky that was like, you shouldn't have to do unreasonable checkout tasks such as stripping the beds, doing the lot. And I was like, oh, <laughs> he's listening to the pod. Hey, Brian, what's up? <laughs> what's up, buddy? Brian? All the right moves. <laughs> all the right moves. <laughs> all right come on the show <laughs> no he did he's gonna come on i just talked to him um, excellent vacuuming but, or what do the laundry and the vacuuming apparently that's happening that's bonkers oh can I've you put been, the sheets in the washer places, for me i've stayed at places where they asked you to put the sheets in the washer oh so they come in and just have to do the dryer i understand i understand the goal of the host in doing that stuff it's just not cool and then they charge you an extra like 100 200 bucks if you don't do it right that's the that's the the threat I guess. Nobody wants this nonsense. Yeah. Just make and it they, simple. Or they leave you a bad review or whatever, right? It's just like, no, it's too oh, much. Oh, yeah, right. They review you too. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that they sort clever. by value. I love that. Sort by value. So if you want to play games, you want to you want to F around, and then you find out. You want to F around with your cleaning bill, uh, your cleaning fee, then you find out <laughs> your search results. Yeah. I, if I do an Airbnb, and I'm going to have a new thing. No cleaning fee. No cleaning fee, unless you stay in something or whatever. But just well, I was gonna say, like, if you want to be the, if you want to be a host who, if you know this upfront, and again, this is just all about transparency and design and not letting hosts hide stuff and not letting, you know, guests take advantage. So you could be the kind of Airbnb that says, hey, there will be no cleaning fee whatsoever if you strip the beds and you put the the wash in the washer. Cool. Mm-hmm. Some people might be willing to do that. They just might, you know, like I get a little bit of my grandma vibe and I want to clean up a place. Like if that's what you're into and as a result, you have no extra fee, 
that it, then all of a sudden you have some pricing control as a host. You have a differentiation opportunity. You know, I do that too. When I leave a hotel room, I tidy up. I totally do. And I leave a tip. Yeah. And I leave a huge tip. And I still clean up. And usually, But I still clean up tip. a little bit because yes. I don't want to be... I, it's more like my own personal pride of not being a slob. Exactly. Maybe it's my Irish upbringing, but like, so, I'm like, oh my God, I left... Like, if I leave the coffee set up a mess, I'm like, oh no, I, I literally, if it's like stained, I go get a towel, I moist it, and I just wipe the thing down, because I don't want to leave too. a coffee stain and be an animal. So even though I complained about stripping, stripping the beds was, for some reason, that was a bridge too far for me. That really irritated me. I was just like, that is not, because it's just like, it was combined with 50 million other rules and whatever. But the truth is, I would, nine times out of 10, book an Airbnb that didn't charge me a cleaning fee if I agreed to do that, because then it would be a trade, and I'd be like, yeah, fine, cool. I saved some money. But considering that I paid a cleaning fee and was asked to strip the beds, I lost my mind. Full Karen. I asked on the Twitter, Yeah, what's the best rug? Now, why did I ask this question? I don't <laughs> want to get into my personal life here. But uh, my spouse, who you know, is delightful, beautiful, stunning, has Wonderful. an incredible sense of design. Charming. Incredible. Charming. All the things I'm not. Uh, that's why the marriage works. <laughs> and she really is wonderful. Um you, you know, like that couple where they invite the couple and they're like, she's so great. I guess the price we pay is that guy. Oh, come on. But we'll still invite him. <laughs> That's, when I married her, my I started getting the second invites uh, to dinner parties. Before that, I was one and done. Like, wait a minute. It's like, wait a second. Huh. She takes the edge off. But anyway, uh, part, part of the problem is, uh, you know, we have the two dogs, three children, and um, the rugs get destroyed. Mm -hmm. this makes me go manic and i did a tweet one of the producers can go find it by doing an advanced search on the twitter where i was talking about this and i oh my god look at it's my already producers there. like come on look at my producers so proud like they producers. didn't already so have good. that ready so i said this anyone have a lead this by the way this is dated september 16th i just got a light and a quote i'm getting a quote retreat lol <laughs> <laughs> well done that's a first for the show you wow, know that's producers Rachel. are on <laughs> What are, did we get any Adderall prescriptions for our producers? They're on tonight. Wow, strong Monday. So I put this out there because I'm losing my mind. I grew up poor. We didn't. Ha we had like one rug and like we didn't get rugs because these things get destroyed. Yeah. And it yeah. will make you as a cheap person like I am, who has cheap DNA, lose your mind. Like I love my kids. I totally. love my dogs. But when they stain the rugs and I have to go into dad mode and I'm like, bad dogs or like, daughters i told you no ice cream while we're watching superhero movies and they're like but mm -hmm. i love ice cream i like watching superhero movies with you why can't we have both things and i'm like i right, find have both things but they ruin these goddamn rugs molly me and everybody on twitter was like esalerugs.com the end there's only no, one look, place scroll down everybody said to me oh that's right ruggable ruggable yeah. everybody yeah. said ruggable and so i, got, what I did too is, actually but now i'm all about esale but anyway ruggable anyway great. ruggable went crazy now here's the thing ruggable you have one? Yeah. You have a I have two. Okay. It comes with a little Explain. like base level mat and you Velcro it onto this mat. And the reason that that's important is because you can un-Velcro it and you can put that sucker in the washing machine. Washing machine. Molly, I pay five, six hundred bucks for, I got a big house. I yeah. got five or six of these rugs. Five rugs. These guys come, they lift all the furniture, they take the rugs. We do right. this every year. Um, and I get you, the that's bill. 500 and 600, that's five or six hundred bucks per rug. Per rug. Yeah, because I've they done that. Like, perfect. No, yeah. They come back perfect. God love them. They do a great job. Yeah. It's three grand every time I do this. And I just watched $3,000 in my mind on fire. Sorry. God damn it. On fire. And I kid you not, like, this is my the level of privilege I'm living under now. These things get stained two weeks later. The dog yeah. takes a leak. A, a dog pukes on it. A kid drops an ice cream. And now I'm back in OCD land. I just paid three grand and I told my wife, let's do this. She's like, I don't like those rugs. Why don't you guys just buy a Bissell? Um, no, I have, now you, you, you trying to trigger me? <laughs> this is my trauma. You can rent a Bissell at the grocery I store. I have a Bissell. It oh. doesn't work. Oh. It, none of it works. They, the, whatever they do on the commercial with the Bissell, <laughs> like, what are they it doing? doesn't work. Kids or maybe doing? I got the wrong Bissell. <laughs> Bissell.com slash twist. Get 20% off your next Bissell. <laughs> If the Bissell worked, I'd do an ad read for it, but this not this like, Bissell sorry, didn't work for me. Are we or are we not freaking parents up in here right now? Like <laughs> I'm literally turning into my, my And then mom. my rug does this, and then I need a Bissell. You just gotta you can rent I'm a so Bissell. I'm so passionate at the about rugs. 
in the Montclair. Okay. Okay. So now let's explain what's happening. Okay, yes. Sorry. Okay. The reason that we're talking Great about diversion. runs for so long is one, it's fun as hell. And mm. two, the Peloton co-founder and former CEO, John Foley is back. Love it. With a D2C company. Love it. Because why not? And in this case, it's a rug business, D2C custom rug retailer, hoping to enter the market, quote, in between home decor retailers and high end Mm. custom rug sellers. Let's go. Ernesta, I don't know what that means in terms of pricing. Oh, eight to forty dollars per square foot. So definitely not the rug. Ten by ten crowd is a hundred. A hundred times eight is eight hundred. So for a large rug, you got a large living room or a hundred times forty four thousand. Ooh, hey, yeah. So this is a, this is meaty this is mid to high end. But for these sure. are custom. Now hold on a custom. second. Custom is different. They're cutting it to your specs. I like this. We had a company called Benchmade Modern uh, that I really believed in. A great founder, um, and they. It wound. I think we got our money back. It was like one of these sales where I was like, ah, I wish they. I almost wish it was a zero instead of getting my money back. I would have wish they yeah. got me either a hundred or whatever. But they did couches by the inch. You could literally, what? they would send you a draft, a piece of paper that you would unroll and you'd unfurl it, put it on your floor. And it would say 48 inches, 49 inches, 50 inches, 51 inches. You tape it to your floor, Molly. And then you go sit on the floor in front of your TV. And you're like, you know what? I was going to buy a 48 inch. I could fit a 52 in it. You put your but side tables on the piece of paper next to it. Benchmade Modern. You can look at the video. You look them up. Benchmade cool. Modern. Uh, and they, cool. uh, I think they still exist, by the way. I just, yeah. I mean, I think it's not unusual. I bought... 50 year old handmade Turkish carpets in Istanbul. Mm. And I paid, you know, 3,000 each, I think, or something like that. How much is like 6,000 total? Yeah. I mean, huge. A good right? they're, is, they're seven by nine. They're 50 year old. They're handmade Turkish carpets. Like it's a whole people you will spend money on. Yes, on those. You and you'll be able to, to resell them probably for half of what you bought it for, a third of what you bought it for, maybe. Yeah. And maybe the same, depending on what the market's doing. But mm. I will say, this is not a ruggable. You're this is, you're not going to bissel this. You're going to no. have to send this out for cleaning. However, uh, it looks like Foley learned his lesson on D to C. We should note before we uh, have to wrap here. He's, he was quoted as saying, I want to show discipline. <laughs> I want to show profitability. Oh, and I want to have a real focus on unit economics. I love it. Ernesto will I, this is, not will attempt say to vertically this, integrate its supply chain. Yeah. When we say this, you want to bet on a founder after they get their ass kicked. I just made that bet on Zuck. Yeah. I, I I was about to say I hate Zuck. Try I gotta speak from my heart, not my mind. I wish only the best for Zuck in his evolution. My mind, not my heart, mm-hmm. my mind hates what he's done. But with my heart, I wish Zuck a great evolution and Palmer Lucky. Why? Why, Why did I do that? <laughs> Why, Why did I do that? <laughs> I and can't stop talking note. about me. Every interview, they're like, what about Jason Galakadis? And he's like, oh, oh J. Cal. <laughs> it never ends. It never ends. But anyway, I wish him the best. I would like him to come on the program. I'm a huge fan of uh, Peloton. I love it. I yes. hope that John Foley, this is my hope. I hope John Foley makes this a freaking huge success. And then goes to a private equity firm and says, look, I'm mm-hmm. selling rugs. I'm a rug salesman. <laughs> I'm a rug salesman now. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. Uh-huh. I, I'm doing my penance. I'm selling rugs. Amazing. And I have learned, like the rug salesman, for thousands of years to do this profitably. I'm a new man. You can trust me. Now give me $4 billion, and I want to buy the Peloton asset back. Yes. And I want to make... My own umbrella company of DTC brands. And I'm going to buy Quip and Casper and a couple of other ones. Oh, let it be. I went to Morocco and I worked in the bazaar and I haggled and I focused on union economics. He learned those skills, right? He's like a, yeah. you know, like in the bazaar. Yeah. He went to the mountaintop. He w- that's him. He went on his pilgrimage. I love this. Let it be. I want this let to happen. Let it be. I wish John Foley an epic return. I hope he dunks on all his naysayers. And I hope he comes back and buys Peloton. Oh my God, that would be beautiful. Sweet, sweet revenge. Sweet. Make this thing a money printing machine. Save up all those profits, John. And then go buy Peloton. The return of the king. I love it. I'm here for it. I'm here <laughs> for it. 
Oh, it's a redemption show is what we have on Monday. All right, everybody. Thanks. For, song. I was just going to, I'm so glad you burst <laughs> into such song a great so song. I didn't have to. I know. Totally. I was like, oh, such a great song, man. When I put so on that Bar Marley, man, I put that it's legend album on. It's a I just, for me, that's it. We got a huge week coming up. Next Unicorns is back on Wednesday. Mm. We have our crypto roundtable on Thursday. We're going to talk about this oh. whole FTT, FTX, Alameda Research, Binance, selling out of all its coins, and who's propping up who and the whatnot. It's going to be amazing, and we need those two to help us understand mm. it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we'll have more Lon Harris and OK Boomer on Friday. Lon Harris some- and Rachel Reporting are just bringing the heat every week. Really, really like great, great supporting great Friday combo too. You know, great supporting cast here. Great supporting cast. I wonder if Rachel's going to find an interesting product and break in one day. Rachel reporting. Oh yeah, totally. You know, I'm not this. Okay, boomer. She's locked for Fridays, but you know, I'm I'm hoping maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday she breaks in. Let's with a go. Great, interesting product. Maybe she did the uh, last week. She did that cool uh, yeah. mood boards. Freaking awesome. Yeah, she's good. Also, if you're not, co- I know, I know you got like a side hustle. Or a side quest. The kids call it a side quest. I know you're on a side quest, but you have to watch the peripheral. I watched one, and I just watched the last two episodes of Andor without my wife. Yeah. And they were so freaking good that this is the slow burn of all slow burns. There have been no lightsabers or blasters in this, and it is the most heightened, tense, just incredible storytelling In the Star Wars universe, outside of like, you know, two or three of the best films, it is incredible. All right. Andor is a revelation. The money they spent on this, the actors in it, the guy who played Gollum, mm-hmm. I Andy forgot the guy's name, that guy, they, they pigeonholed Andy Circus? What's Circus. 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 S-I-R-K-I-S. This guy, Andy Circus deserves an Emmy for this performance. He is an extraordinary actor, and they pigeonholed him as... Like the monster. Like Gollum. He always plays a CGI character. This guy's a thespian. He can act. I want to see him in more films. I love him in that. uh, You know, he's in uh, the Iron Man ones. He's in the Marvel, the Avengers one. Once well, who does he he's play? like the he's the he's the like kind of South African guy who's like you can't scare me because you're not a cuttlefish. Oh. Huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, so remember. that's all coming up. I will <laughs> I will get caught up on Andor. You should Please get caught do. up on the peripheral. It's going to be Please a great do. week. Stick with us. See you tomorrow. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>